Hey, hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for the day after Valentine's. I hope you behave yourself. Hope you behaved yourself, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, it's. <laughs> I hope it was good. It's a glorious Valentine. Yes, it's a junk holiday, but sometimes you got to do the the sweetest day thing. I refuse to do though. Anyway, welcome to the show. I appreciate you downloading, sharing, telling a friend, playing all that good stuff. Give everybody the first one free. Actually, they're all free. So get them addicted. It's like the, the heroin everybody can afford. Uh, and don't forget about the, the heroin you got to pay for. The supporting of the show at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot com or just uh, Derek Allen Hunter at gmail.com through PayPal, whatever you like. But uh, you get extra content and a bunch of bonus stuff and just a sense of of like you've done something good for the environment. Okay, maybe not, but still, you know, it's not pouring mercury into the bay. Anyway, let us uh, get started so we can get done, so we can get on with our lives. There is, of course, a lot going on in the world, tons of stuff to talk about, lots of ground to cover, both around the world and in our own backyard, as they say. I want to start off, though, in Ohio. and Well, not really in Ohio. We've seen a train derailment and a couple, well, a couple of train derailments recently this week. Apparently, there have been twelve train derailments so far this year. I don't know if that's normal or abnormal or whatever, but the one in East Palestine, or I've heard it pronounced Palestine. I don't know who they're trying to fool, but uh, the, it, there used to be a, a, a city called East Detroit, and it was nestled between Detroit. And Gross Point, and Gross Point is uh, very well-to-do, moneyed, and Detroit is well, Detroit. And so, a few not a few years ago, probably twenty-five years ago, maybe thirty years ago, East Detroit changed their name to East Point, and they didn't want to be associated with Detroit anymore. But they are not certainly the Gross Point money, but they they spell point with an E, so it's classy pinky out as you drink the tea it just cracked me up they changed the name so they're, they're we're not east palestine we're east palestine like yeah i don't i don't really think so okay the, no anyway the uh train that derailed there released a whole bunch of toxic chemicals now remember we the president of the united states is currently traveling the countryside Bragging about what? Oh, look at all the infrastructure money we've spent. Boy, howdy, we have dumped a ton of money into infrastructure. We are rebuilding the country. We've rebuilt the country. And most of the money has to do with what? Green. Green garbage. The Green New Deal. It was a Trojan horse for the left-wing agenda. So when you see a train derailment, there's uh, a possibility that it was deteriorated tracks that caused the derailment. Now, it's also a possibility that it's the engineer, the conductor, or whatever the hell the guy's name is, uh, the title is, was driving too fast. A few years ago, again, probably everything's a few years ago, and it's like 15 years ago, the train that derailed just north of Baltimore um, was going too fast around a curve because the conductor wasn't paying attention or whatever it was. So that stuff does 
happen. But there's also been an explosion in the environmentalist movement sabotaging trains, derailing trains. Uh, they just, uh, because the trains move things around the country that these Democrats, and let's be honest, that's who they are, these Democrats don't want us using. They're moving chemicals around the country. We shouldn't be using these chemicals at all. They're moving lumber around this country. We shouldn't be using lumber at all. We're using all of these things. Cars are being moved around. These people, the real, true, committed environmentalists are extremists isn't the word fanatics freaks mutants weirdos whatever you want to call them they are people who want the world to go back to the dark ages the true believers the people who sit there and think we're going to all have to be mermen it's going to be water world soon which is insane it's wildly stupid but i mean come on let's be honest who these people are so what i don't know if anybody else remembers this because I can't find anything about it online. I remember that there was a train derailment somewhere out west, north in the northwest, that was, it killed people. It was bad. And, well, it was bad, duh. But it was horrible. And it was done by a group called Sons of Gestapo. Remember that? Am I the only one who remembers that? 1995. You can find some stories about it back then. You don't find many stories about it. I guess it was in Arizona. But you don't find many stories about it. Now, there was a note there in Los Angeles Times. October 11th, 1995. Attack on Amtrak, colon, sons of Gestapo, question mark. They're just nowhere to be found. Militants, people in trailer parks and swinging door saloons are skeptical. They say group could be pranksters or government operatives. It goes on. It's a big conspiracy story about it. But it is one of those unsolved mysteries, just like the poisoning of people with Tylenol. Remember the, the cyanide and the... I don't even think they make capsules anymore of Tylenol. Because why? Because somebody in the early 80s managed to put cyanide in the capsules. And killed, I don't know, seven people or something like that. But it was not localized. It was around the country. Like they had put the poison in there in uh, the factory. And they just shipped off randomly around the country waiting there. They got rid of, you know, that's that's why you can't open a bottle of pills without uh, a, a spot welder and a couple of chainsaws. Because people, one person probably, killed people for fun the sickness this person's never been caught it's rather disturbing hopefully they're already dead and rotting in hell but they were never caught they were never brought to justice on this earth it could be that sort of thing we don't know what's going on with the nation's rail system but 12 derailments in the first what are we about six seven weeks into this thing year seems like a lot environmental groups are noted for their terrorism so what is our federal government doing there tracking down every parent who dares say anything cross at a school board hearing because they are the domestic terrorists we have to worry about or something 
it's kind of hard to look at our government and take it seriously. They're around chasing balloons and shooting down balloons, and they're not really doing all that much about um, about the things that really matter, about the things that matter now. It's just not... In fact, the story right now, if you go to a couple of websites, the big story is still about the balloons, not that the balloons aren't you know, an interesting story. But I was at the Drudge Report this morning, and it says, oh, the Drudge Report talking, they had a whole section up there about the balloons. You'd think it was, uh, you know, a drag queen balloon. And one of them was uh, Craft Over Canada was metallic. And metallic is in scare quotes. You're like, holy cow, metallic, aliens, aliens. So I clicked on the story. It got me. The headline from CNN is actually reads Pentagon memo says object shot down over Canada was, quote, a small metallic balloon, <laughs> end quote. Now, it's it's not ma- this weird metallic thing just floating in the ether, seeming to move with precision, seeming to be, you know, alive or manned or whatever. It's one of those, bl- t- you know, shiny aluminum foil balloons. The story, the unidentified flying object shot down in Canadian airspace on Saturday appeared to be a small metallic balloon with a tethered payload below it. Does anybody remember, what was the the balloon kid? Remember the family that they made a big giant balloon out of like tinfoil and they said, oh my God, Junior's in the balloon. It's horrible. And balloon, everybody followed balloon boy because there's a, a toddler was inside this it was all a big hoax i forget what they're they were trying to get some kind of reality show or something like that but you can make one of these big balloons you can buy you go to the regular you know party palace or whatever the hell they're called and buy a canister of helium i have a canister of helium sitting in the garage every once in a while i inflate a couple of it's just you know small little like a propane grill tank size thing it costs like 25 30 bucks and you uh, bring it home, you're able to make helium balloons, your kids think you've got magic powers, and they appreciate when you distort your voice with it. You're a hero. You can buy those pretty cheap. And you can launch things. Now, at a time when the United States government just blew up a Chinese observation balloon or weather balloon or spy balloon or whatever the hell it ends up being, if we ever find the payload on it, over the Atlantic off the coast of North or South Carolina... You think it's really beyond the pale that people would go, you know what? I'm going to do some crazy gluing, some kinking, some folding, and I'm going to make a giant balloon, and I'm going to put something really light. You can you can make those things pretty big, and you can lift some stuff up with it. But at this point, we know what it, whatever it was, our government should know whatever. And I guess they shot it down over Lake Huron, but still. It's amazing. One of the things that's amazing to me, by the way, as an aside, is we see this all the time with because Tucker Carlson does UFO stuff constantly on his show. He's a big wanna believer on that issue. And they always say, oh, we've got new footage of unidentified flying objects. And one thing you notice is on these five billion dollar planes, they've got mall security cameras on the front of them, apparently from the 1980s. You know, the grainy footage. It's the only cameras in the world that aren't high def. Your camera on your freaking phone 
is a much of much better quality and get much better pictures and video than the things on our billion dollar fighter jets because they say look at this device here look at this object here and he, i don't know what the hell it is which object am i looking at what is it supposed to be doing it's you've got blurry and black and white and more blurry and black and white and you got other blurries and black and white can't we get can we just strap iphones to the to the noses of these planes i think that would be much better But anyway, the nation, the media, I mean, and Democrats are focusing on these things. Like I say, the Drudge Report has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories, eight stories about UFOs and these balloons. They're balloons, UFOs, instead of what's going on with our infrastructure Where's the money that we're supposed to spend on infrastructure? And why have these trains been derailing? Why is it that this massive train derailment and gigantic fire of toxic chemicals isn't the top story? Hell, there's a shooting at the University of Michigan, or no, Michigan State yesterday. Killed three people, wounded five. And by lunchtime, it'll be over won't be talking about it why well can you guess why i looked up the person who did it i looked up the man who did it his name is anthony Dwayne mcrae now for reasons i'll leave you to speculate it was difficult to find the name anthony Dwayne mcrae but it was much much easier to find the name anthony Dwayne mcrae than it was to find any photographs of Anthony Dwayne McRae. Now, why would you suspect that is? And then why would you say uh, I coupled that with the story that, or the statement that the story of the mass shooting at Michigan State University will be done by lunchtime? Well, I don't think you need me to answer that question. I don't think you need me to answer that question at all. It's just the way the world works, ladies and gentlemen. Justice or something like that. We've got a lot of stories about this garbage today. And the way that the progressive left breaks down, divides to conquer the American people by irrelevant characteristics. And they do so deliberately because it works. Because they've conditioned, been conditioned, they've conditioned so many of us to let it work. Martin Luther King, we need to hook up some wires to his grave because he is spinning over in it. Who would have thought that the works and the life work and the fight of Martin Luther King would have been cast aside by the Democratic Party? Well, actually, anybody paying attention would have. They fought him tooth and nail while he was alive. They've fought tooth and nail to change. And all while they're saying we we care more than anybody else. Remember, Arizona wouldn't get the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, so we're going to screw them over until they comply. And they did. The Democratic Party, though, well, they celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday by doing the exact opposite of everything the man stood for and believed in. How do you how do you reconcile that one? Can you do that? You can't really reconcile that one unless you are willing to accept the truth that these people are not they are really truly honestly evil and are content and pushing to do any damn thing they can to get their way no matter how destructive no matter how damaging no matter how many people die 
They will ignore the destruction. They will pretend it's not happening. Or they will pretend that they didn't cause it. And they are there to solve the problem. It was Ronald Reagan who famously said the most terrifying words in the English language were, I'm, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. He was so right then and more right now. Big breaking news I just saw. <laughs> it's not big. Or I guess it is kind of breaking, but it's news, and it's something I care about. Season three of Ted Lasso now has a uh, premiere date, which is pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's one month. Yeah, March 15th, one month from today, basically. So that's pretty cool, and I just watched the trailer. It's, um, it's You don't need to see the trailer because it doesn't really tell you much of anything. <laughs> So one thing that's interesting, though, if you're a big fan of Ted Lasso, which you should be because it's an excellent show, it's the funniest show on television, is um, it was originally pitched as a three-season show. They had a story of, for three seasons, what happens if the, you know, it's now wildly popular and winning all the awards and everything, so maybe they'll go, you know what, we could probably come up with another couple of seasons or something like that. I hope they do. I hope they do because it's not, the storyline is interesting, but it's the characters. The characters are different. They're not unique. There's no such thing as unique, but they're different. So I would very much like to see them come up with more, 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 more. So we shall see. But uh, yeah, March 15th, set your calendars for, uh, set your calendars for stun. All right, we've got, uh, where do we go from here? While we're talking about infrastructure, I want to play you this Secretary Mayor Pete. Well, I'll wait a second for this Secretary Mayor Pete because I'll tell you what else is coming up. Because I do want to, I told you yesterday Nikki Haley was going to announce on the 15th. It turns out she released a video on the 14th. I don't know why. And then she's going to have a speech on the 15th. I don't understand the mechanics of announcing for a uh, presidential campaign. But Nikki Haley has thrown her hat into the ring. The video that she produced is, it's about three, this is three minutes, three and a half minutes long, I guess. It's good. It's good. It's, I don't know. I'm not the target demographic. I'm not the audience. I, I admit that. It is bio. It, see, frankly, I don't care about somebody's, a politician's biography. I care what they want to do as president or in office. If they go, you know what, I want to do all these horrible things, but I grew up just like you. I'm not going to go, oh, well, then that makes all the difference in the world. As long as you grew up, you know, the way I did, it's perfectly, no, that's not how I work. I want to know. Then again, if it's somebody like Donald Trump who decidedly did not grow up the way that I grew up, I was not the the son of a multi-millionaire real estate developer. I didn't go into the family business. Uh, I I don't relate to Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form, and on a personal level. I haven't been married multiple times. I haven't uh, haven't been uh, committed infidelity or anything like that. I don't have the ability to walk in anywhere and just buy everything. I don't have a private jet, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't relate to him, but uh, he aligns more closely with my political beliefs than somebody, many of the people, actually, hell, the person who represents the district I grew up in was Rashida Tlaib. Yuck. Yuck. I presume she grew up in some semblance of a manner that was similar to how I did. A lot more hatred of Jews than anybody I ever knew, but, you know, what are you going to (laughs) do? 
<laughs> She's a bigot piece of garbage. So the biography thing is unimportant to me, but it's so important in politics. It's sort of a testament to how far we've fallen as a society, or maybe not fallen, but definitely changed as a society where you look at somebody and you go, they get me. I don't want them to get me. I don't want them. I don't want to get them. I want them to tell me what they want to do. And if I like it, I will vote for them. And then I want them to do it or die trying or bust their nails and work their fingers to the bone trying to do it. I don't care that they like the same kind of sandwich that I do. It doesn't matter. So I'm going to play you the uh, the Nikki Haley announcement. You can decide for yourself. Like I say, it's it's a perfectly fine video and has its moments. It's just one of those things where you're, I don't know. I want I want more. I want more. So with, with that in mind, I want to play you the uh, the Nikki Haley audio, the announcement video. It's well shot. It's well done. She's very personable. She's very likable. I have nothing against her. I I would happily vote for her. But it is, uh, you know, yeah. You decide. You decide. You tell me if this is going to uh, sway you or if this interests you. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say, your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I love. People came by the thousands for fresh starts. Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always it's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come, Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several in victims, Toronto. we don't know the uh, severity. We turned away from fear, toward God, and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. 
It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. Well, there you go. There you have it. Nikki Haley's announcement video. Biography. It was It was a soaring story, and it certainly does give uh, breathe some life into the greatness of America. Look, we came from here, and now I'm here. Blah, blah, blah. There's all of that. But then there's just all of the things about bullies. And, and as I stand, I get it's on an international stage. The, oh, the Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven of the last eight elections. Who cares? The popular vote doesn't mean anything. Spare me. If you go back and you look at it, and you look at who got a majority of the popular vote, Democrats aren't exactly breaking records for that either. Bill Clinton won two presidential elections without winning the popular majority of the popular vote. He won more of the popular vote, but so what? We have a system of government. It just sort of bleeds into the the ignorance of so many people who are in the it plays into the hands of the left. We need a national popular vote. That's what matters. The will of the people. No. There are a lot of conservatives, Republicans, who live in California. They're just outnumbered two to one by Democrats. There are a ton of Democrats, tens of millions of Democrats. And so there are a lot of Republicans who go, yeah, there's no point in voting. Or people who would vote, who go, you know, there's no point in voting in New York. There's no point in voting in California. These left-wing strongholds, like, uh, you know what? If I live in Massachusetts, the lunatic on the left is going to win nine times out of ten. The popular vote doesn't matter. Quite frankly, I'm not sure Nikki Haley could win the popular vote. If you win the popular vote, to win the popular vote, I believe you have to kind of pander to people. You have to suck up to people. You have to try and convince people who otherwise wouldn't vote for you, who certainly don't agree with you, to vote for you. And how do you do that? You make promises, political promises, and these uh, progressive problems, you just don't do it. Stand on principle. Try and win the states you need to win. And quite frankly, let California fall into the ocean. Let New York be New York. Forget about Massachusetts. Stick with campaigning in the United States of America and focus on that. Maybe, you know, if you run a good enough campaign, this is the one thing that really has never really been tried run a true conservative, a real conservative campaign, an unapologetically conservative campaign where somebody stands up and says, oh, I got to do this, that, and the other thing. And what is it? How are you going to help me do that? And the answer, you don't have to go, I'm not. You're on your own. It's your own life. Figure it out. But the answer could easily be, 
I'm going to do everything to get government out of your way to allow you to do anything you need done in your life. Anything you see that needs to be done, I will get out of get government out of your way so you can achieve it. They don't do that. Nobody will do that. Nobody will have the guts to do that. But that wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't that be nice to have a politician? What's the government going to do for me? Nothing. What are you going to do for yourself? We're going to get government out of the way. You do for yourself. Well, I can't. Well, then your life is going to suck, my friend. I'm sorry. I can't chew your food and spit it into your mouth like you're a baby bird and I'm your mama. I'm not going to do that. That is not the role of government. All right. Seek help from your state. Seek help from what have you. But what have you. But don't look to the federal government to do it. We have no business in it. In fact, we're going to, we're going broke and we're going to roll things back. Your states can do whatever the hell they think they can afford. We're not going to. I would love that. I would, I would possibly consider breaking my, I don't give money to politicians principle to support somebody who did that. (laughs) Just saying. So yeah, the Nikki Haley video was harmless, but it was, I don't know. I want more meat on the bone. It's, look, we're 11 months, 10 months, 10 and a half months away from anybody voting on anybody anyway. So, you know, let's not uh, pick our prom date on the first day of school. Okay. Everybody keep your powder dry. And I don't care who it is. I don't care how loyal you think you are. Look, these politicians are never going to be loyal to you. You should make them be. You should be the ones, so you're the ones who uh, are the most loyal to you and the ideals that you care about. Don't ever be blindly loyal to them because they don't return it. They don't return it. All right, now I want to get to this Pete Buttigieg thing because Pete Buttigieg gave a speech yesterday and he hasn't said, a, he still hasn't said a word about the Ohio train derailment and the environmental disaster that is down. Oh, Pete, if he can't shut up about the Green New Deal, he can't shut up about environmentalism. But there is a massive toxic chemical disaster in Ohio, in uh, what is it? Like it's like northeast Ohio, north of Pittsburgh, that is raging. People are afraid to go back to their homes. People are feeling sick. Lawsuits, of course, have been filed. I don't blame them for filing lawsuits. I just look at it and go, okay, come. Can we just wait and see if there's a disaster, if there is something wrong before we start suing? But the lawsuits are filing. They're going crazy. There are more toxic chemicals, apparently, according to the New York Post on it than were originally reported. There is, uh, you have to temper all of this, by the way, with some common sense. Remember, we live in an era of clickbait. Clickbait. So the UK Daily Mail, their headline, Ohio residents hit by wave of sickness after train carrying toxic chemicals exploded and engulfed surrounding neighborhoods in black smoke. There's the deaths, possible death zone and possible injury zone. We don't know. Let's hope everybody's okay. How about we do that? How about we see, because look, if you tell me there's something in the water that could make you sick, stop drinking the water, and I just finished a nice cup of water, guess what's going to happen to me? What are the symptoms that I might hear? Well, it might be a little itch in your throat. <clears throat> oh, yeah? <clears throat> really? <clears throat> you know, I'd be like Captain Over in uh, Airplane. Remember that when they're describing when Leslie Nielsen is 
Peter Graves, I think, was captain over, where uh, Leslie Nielsen is describing to Julie Haggerty the uh, symptoms of the food poisoning from having had the fish. And Captain Over looks at it, and there's a plate with just the fish bones. He picked it clean. And every little thing that he that Leslie Nielsen says, he's going to start having twitches. And he starts twitching, vomiting, burping, gas, all this. And Leslie Nielsen, Peter Graves is having all of these things. I would be that way. A lot of people would be that way. Let's calm down. There's no reason to scare the hell out of people. Except for the fact that the people in charge are who they are. That's a reason to be scared. Because, like I said, Ronald Reagan's a scary words. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Pete Buttigieg is from the government. Now, granted, Pete Buttigieg hasn't said anything about this. He gave a speech yesterday. Didn't mention any. It's been a week. He hasn't mentioned a word about this train de- derailment. He, It's his purview and the environmental disaster about it. Instead, in his speech yesterday, Secretary Mayor Pete pointed out the real problem with our infrastructure, not, you know, crumbling train lines, bridges. We drove, uh, we were driving in Washington, D.C. the other day, Saturday, and it was Washington, D.C. or Virginia, might have been, I can't remember which one, but as we're driving under the bridge, I noticed this canopy set up, this steel platelet, it looked like roofing deck, like metal roofing deck hanging from this bridge along with all the rust and everything and god knows what the road above was and i realized that that roofing deck was suspended it was screwed in there it wasn't hanging there it was screwed in and and hanging probably three feet down from it it was there to catch pieces of the road above and pieces of the bridge above as they flaked off the little rocks the stones the little pieces of of the bridge above it as they fell off where is the crew working? Is that considered the fix? This was a, a three-level bridge. There's was, was two bridges below it. I don't know. It was a mess. If you've ever driven around the Beltway in Washington, D.C., you know that these sorts of things, especially in northern Virginia, exist everywhere where there's just so many people. They build so many bridges. But this thing was horrible. They're just sitting there going, what the hell? They're, they really just built a... Instead of fixing the bridge, they stopped pieces of the bridge from falling on the road below. Does that give you much comfort? I mean, I'd much rather be on the road below than driving over it because I can take a a ding to my paint more so than falling through a bridge. Where's Secretary Mayor Pete on that one? Well, Secretary Mayor Pete is focusing like a laser on the important issues that this country faces, like the demography of road crews. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Yesterday in his speech, Secretary Mayor Pete, rather than talk about the transportation and environmental infrastructure disaster that was unfolding in Ohio, he decided to talk about there are too many white people on infrastructure projects, which if you've ever driven past a job site and a road crew, you kind of have to laugh at the concept. But hey, what are you going to do? to work with your contractors, uh, to work with your community colleges on building a workforce that reflects the community. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. 
You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. <laughs> that's, that's important. You know what? Mommy, I didn't realize that I could do construction until I saw somebody who looked like me doing construction. Now I know that I can, and maybe I will. Have you ever been near a construction site in the last 20 years? Yeah, there is a distinct uh, lack of black people. There are, but people of but to say people of color is a little misleading because we people of no color aren't there either. It's English as a second language or maybe even an eventual hopeful second language that run these job crews that dominate these job crews. Why is it? Is it bigotry in the hiring process? It's, if it were white people dominating it, that would be the argument. But it might just be that for very few people, it's hard work. Very few people want to do it. It's not exclusively Hispanic, but it is largely Hispanic. I would have taken that job. It's a good paying job. I know a lot of people would take that job, but now we have a situation where restaurants are closing early and closing certain days of the week completely because they can't find enough people to work. Why? Because our government has made it so easy to not work. So many people, a record number of people have dropped out of the workforce. The labor force participation rate is incredibly low. It's a major factor in why the unemployment rate is historically low. It's because people have left. And it's largely because what? Yesterday I talked about the... $200 billion in unemployment payments that may have been misappropriated that I don't even know. You throw money around, you throw a couple trillion dollars around like you're a rapper at a strip club, people are going to pick up that money. People are going to scam that money because most of them, frankly, are going to get away with it because it's too much money. It's too much going on to really track and really make sure it's being spent properly. And so people don't have to work. When you pay unemployment benefits, and this one goes on Donald Trump, you pay unemployment benefits that are greater than the people were making. If you, I'm making $1,000 a week or a, I'm making $800 a week, and now unemployment, I was making $1,200 a week for six months. That gives you a lot of time if you budget right, if you just live the way you were, that you don't have to work. Maybe you do other things. Maybe you get into other things. So it is a complete mess. It's all government's doing. And for Secretary Mayor Pete to sit there and say, well, you know, for too many times, people building these construction problems that the communities have desperately wanted don't look like people in the community. Well, what do you want? Do you want roads that aren't covered in potholes and will get you to where you need to go? Or do you want people who look like you employed doing it? Like, I don't want it if it doesn't. Well, you've got a problem there. It's called being a racist. If it is, because I honestly don't know that I, I know Pete wants it to think that it's just a, a, a snowman convention, nothing but white guys out there on these construction sites. We all know that's not the case. Drive past a construction site and you will not see that. If these people want these jobs, if anybody wants these jobs, go get them. I would love to have taken one of these jobs. They come with good benefits. They come with government pay. They come with holidays. And quite frankly, it's almost impossible to get fired from them because that's the way the government works. It has nothing to do with racism. Maybe it has something to do with wildly low expectations. 
But please, though, if I'm wrong, if I'm wildly wrong, and I'm open to the prospect, but if I'm wildly wrong, then let's stop every construction project across the country until we get a survey of the residents close by and find out if they're cool with the uh, ethnic breakdown of the crews. And if they're not, we'll call it a day. Wouldn't that be fair? Secretary Mayor Pete? Or even crazier idea, you could do your damn job and maybe figure out why the hell so many trains have been derailing recently and deal with, you know, the baby formula, the supply chain, and all the other problems you've been ignoring while not on paternity leave, but just working like you still are. Give me a break. I'm going to shift a little bit to uh, local and just a corrupt government. doesn't matter where your local is. This one, Baltimore, former resident. Former residents of black neighborhood want feds to investigate displacement in Baltimore. We really need to have a reckoning. I told you yesterday about my cousin who we, my parents paid to take care of my, my grandmother and who was neglectful and abusive to my grandmother, her and her idiot boyfriend. I don't know if they were drunk or drugs or just trash. I don't know. Probably a combination if I had to guess. But they, uh, she refused to leave, moved my grandmother into a nursing home so she could get taken care of. She was... 86 or something like that. And my cousin refused to leave the house. Refused. She felt entitled to. She hadn't lived there very long. But thanks to stupid laws in states and in cities, she was, it was, you couldn't get her, you couldn't call. Normally you think, well, you just call the police and get that piece of trash out of there. But you couldn't. The police couldn't do it. Well, by law, she has rights. Why the hell does she have rights? She didn't pay rent. Even if she did pay rent, they shouldn't own the property. You can't throw her out on her ass day one, but you can say, hey, you've got 30 days. Get your stuff and get out. You can say, hey, look, she's doing physical damage to the house. So uh, she should be able to be thrown out on her rear end immediately. But no, that's not the way it works. Tenants have rights. Those rights go too far in a lot of cases. And yes, you spare me. You can come up with some example. Well, there's an exception to this. What about this situation and that situation? Yeah, there are exceptions. You don't govern to the exceptions. You make exceptions in the rules and then you enforce the rules everywhere else. So the uh, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy in the first read of this story here, Baltimore Sun today. Angela Banks remembers it was a brief phone call. Her landlord told her she needed to leave as soon as possible. He was selling the three-story row home in Poppleton, her home for decades, the city of Bal- to the city of Baltimore to make way for a new development. Now, she's lived there for decades, but it wasn't her home in the legal sense. It's her home. It's where she lived. But she doesn't get, you know, length of lease does not give you rights of ownership. The guy can sell it whenever he wants, should be able to sell it whenever he wants. It was wintertime in 2018. Banks and her five children moved into her green Ford Explorer. At night, they rolled up their windows and put on two pairs. Why would they have their windows down in the daytime in wintertime? 
and put on two pairs of pants and piled on clothes on themselves to keep warm. During the day, she begged for gas money. Quote, I lost everything, everything I worked hard for, and everything that I had, I lost. Didn't take nothing except trash bags and clothes. What did This is going to get me... It's like, there's a risk of coming across as wildly heartless, all right? But what did she buy? What did she, the furniture? Why did she lose the furniture? Where did it go? She wasn't, like the landlord was knocking on the door. It doesn't even sound like the landlord was knocking on the door saying, you got to get out and throwing your clothes out there. Landlord said, you got to go as quickly as possible. I'm selling the place. By law, they can't. They got to give you at least what thirty days notice, sixty days notice, something like that. They can't just throw you out on your rear end. By the weekend, you're done. Get gone. But ultimately, he can't throw you out unless you wait till the last minute, unless you decide that you're not going to follow the instructions of the guy who owns the property. It's it's simple to have sympathy, and it's easy to have sympathy, but then it's also easy to to lose it if you think rationally if you put your emotions aside and that's what you have to do in these situations put your emotions aside and you sit there and you go why do you live in why do you rent a place for 20 and it's decades so it's at least 20 years right do you have some kind of plan do you not have any friends how do you end up i have all sorts of questions none of them are good none of them are nice none of them are friendly like how do you end up living in a your car begging for gas money how did you pay your rent and your bills before that and did you not have any friends anywhere that you could go stay with i don't know the answer it doesn't really matter she's now see on monday banks along with the non-profit advocacy group economic action maryland there there's a there's a name of a communist front group all right filed a complaint with the federal government to investigate the displacement of black residents from Poppleton under the Fair Housing Act. They held a news conference on the steps of Allen AME Church. Of course they did. A block south of Banks' old home with current and former residents uh, to announce the complaint against the city. The complaint was filed with the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and it alleges that when the city of Baltimore targeted Poppleton for redevelopment, it disproportionately displaced black residents from their home and perpetuated the city's segregation. Now, wait a second. If it, quote-unquote, disproportionately impacted black residents and somehow perpetuated segregation if it was disproportionately impacting wasn't it already segregated wasn't it already wildly segregated and who by the way has controlled baltimore for 70 plus years i keep forgetting that it's democrats but at some point you have to say the city needs to do something to improve this area and then when the city does something to improve this area you can't go but you can't do that No, the buildings are horrible in this area. What you've got to do is build really nice new buildings for everybody and give them to people. If you've ever been in public housing, and I've been in public housing when I was roofing, we we did a lot of the jobs in Detroit that that most roofers didn't want to do. You can't really blame them for not wanting to do it. You had to, you know, you get stuff ripped off the truck. You get all sorts of of, uh, issues. But you go into public housing and it is in complete and total disrepair. It's gross. And some of these 
units inside, because we did repairs inside too, were wildly gross. And you sit there and you go, okay, I get that the drywall on the ceiling is because of the leak from the roof. What's with the holes punched in the wall over in the kitchen there? What's that all about? What's with the handrails falling off? When it really, this is the problem with lack of ownership and lack of ownership. You know, you lack, you don't own the property and you take no ownership over the property. You take no pride in it is the, the lack of ownership the second time through. Is you look at a problem, you look at a broken window and you go, well, somebody's got, it's somebody else's job to do it. Or you break the window going, I don't have to, somebody else will fix it. It's not my problem. The handrail will fall off and you go, eh, whatever. You can ding up the walls because, meh, the government's supposed to come through and paint that. Well, the government doesn't care. I, I don't know how people have to live and what kind of life they have to experience to recognize and come to the realization that government doesn't give a damn about you and they never will. So the hole in the carpet that you wore in there because it's not yours, you didn't pay for it, gets bigger and bigger and bigger because nobody's going to come and fix it because you just do it again. Somebody will just do it again. And the whole thing becomes dilapidated. It becomes this cycle of destruction. And people grow up in that. The kids come out with a warped sense of life because of that and then they demand new public housing and you get new public housing doesn't matter what color the person is you get new public oh this is glorious new public housing when i was in college i uh and it's not just public housing it's 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 the entitlement mentality that this sort of living and this this life this existence drills into people when i was in college I was I, obviously I took political science courses that ended up being my major and I was in class with somebody I I can't remember their name I can't remember any I'm horrible with names and I can't remember anybody's names I went to college with I I don't communicate with any of them all my friends are from high school or work college might as well have not happened um, so that's the thing of a commuter college if you had lived on campus it probably would have been different but these people I just got to keep hanging out with my old friends. But there was somebody in my class who worked for the uh, mayor of Detroit at the time. And the uh, mayor of Detroit was, or interned with, I can't remember what it was, but there was going to be a big, they just made a huge playground, a really nice playground in this neighborhood, in the lower middle class Detroit neighborhood. And they put in new equipment, they put in sod, they put in everything. And the next day they were going to have, when they were done, and obviously it wasn't done in a day, but the next day after they were done and they laid down the sod and they'd watered the grass and they'd cleaned up all the things and everything, the mayor was going to go there for a press conference to announce, look at what we've done, this lovely park, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this kid was tasked with going to the park the day before. Go to the park the day before. Or it was actually early in the morning. The press conference was in the afternoon. Go to the park in the early morning, make sure everything's okay. And he's like, well, we were there last night. What do you mean everything's okay? Of course everything's okay. And his boss looked at him and said, just go and make sure everything's okay. So he gets into the city vehicle thinking, well, all right, what the hell? I'll go. All the sod was gone. Everything that wasn't stuck to the ground was stolen it's a park it wasn't a huge park but it was a a park in a neighborhood you could see sod around the neighborhood 
on people's lawns. You could see it. It wasn't all. People came in and and they picked it clean. And so they stopped. (laughs) They canceled the press conference because you can't show up and say, look at this beautiful park when it's all dirt and all the sod was stolen. They knew who'd stolen it. The people there around it. The people whose lives they were looking to, you know, hey, let's get improve the quality of life. It was near public housing, too. The sod had resale value. It was probably stolen and sold, maybe, to the people who were down there. It was a disaster. When you don't have any ownership over something, think of how you treat a rental car versus how you treat your own car. Think of how you treat the junk, treated the junker cars that you've had when you were younger compared to how you treat the cars that you spent some money on, that you own, that you, you're proud of. Like I've had more junk cars. The first four or five cars I ever bought were $400 a piece. The first one was a uh, it's four hundred dollars for a nineteen seventy five Volari station wagon. <laughs> As a, like some friend of my parents, the parents said they would pay half the price of a of my first car as long as they got to pick it because it was about price. So they put up two hundred dollars. I put up two hundred dollars. We bought this Volari station wagon. It was. T- pale tan like i don't know how else it was like vomit colored but pale vomit it was just not good it was not good and imagine you know driving around in this thing it had bench seats in the front it was just a a nightmare i ended up getting smashed up and uh, totaled in an accident got hit head on by a drunk but um then it was a was a 1970 another 1979 there i've always had really really old cars 1979 mercury cougar that thing was like five city blocks long another 400 dollars special it uh, the 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 shocks went but not the springs so we called it the kangaroo because as soon as you started hitting some bumps you'd be bouncing for a while i called driving it yachting then I bought a $400 car of my boss at a record store that was a 1982 Pontiac J2000 where everything fell apart on it. I wrote them all and the catalytic converter fell off. And so if you backfired that thing, literal flames would come shooting out from under the car. And if you, I could make it backfire by turning it off and popping the clutch on the freeway and traffic would part like the red seat was glorious. So I had a whole bunch of these types of cars. Every one of them was filled with junk. I don't know that I ever washed them. I don't know that I ever took them. Maybe once in a while I'd take them to a car wash. So I guess if I was having a date or something, I would go and clean my car out and wash the outside of it. I remember one time I had a date with this girl named Natalie and uh, she was smart and I was stupid. And uh, she got into the cougar and she said, this is immaculate. And I didn't know what the word immaculate meant. I thought she was saying it, it was gigantic. And uh, I took it, I like pretended like, or I acted like she was making a joke about it, but she was commenting on how clean I'd gotten it. And I didn't know. So that didn't go very well. But that tells you how stupid I was. And there's hope for anybody out there who is stupid now, because you can, you can learn what the word immaculate means. But the, these cars were junk. They were junk held together at some places and duct taped the bumper off of the car I got from my mother. Uh, was falling off. It was a metal bumper. My dad and I used to have to jack it up, drill holes in the the trunk, and use metal straps 
to hold it up and it would always take like three months and then it would break again because it was so heavy back when you could jack up a car by the bumper. I'm lucky that the back tires didn't go flat because I would not have been able to use a jack on the thing because the bumper was half off because of rust. Then I bought a my first new car after living in Baltimore for, I don't know, 10 years, 11 years. I finally bought a car. A friend of mine talked me into getting a Mini Cooper. I bought a Mini Cooper, made the, signed the deal, made the payments, all of that. Every single Saturday, every single Saturday, I was out in Towson, Maryland. There's a bunch of car washes. My favorite was the one where you just drive onto it and then like a giant conveyor belt moves you along and the people around you scrub it. I cleaned that. They, I had that thing washed. I vacuumed the hell out of the inside. There wasn't a single fast food wrapper anywhere. Ownership. Ownership makes a huge difference. It gives you a sense of pride. That was my car. It was my car. Look at that thing. It's new. It's shiny. Driving to Washington, D.C. one day to go visit my then girlfriend now wife bringing my cat with me some jackass sideswiped me on 95 but that's beside the point it's like i had the car for a month and he ruined the door but we got to get it fixed but that's the difference between ownership and non-ownership renting there can be pride but public housing there's no pride so what do these people want they want they want things given to them well look if it's a good deal for the landlord to sell this property sell the property we want the city to improve but we don't want to have to do anything we make no sacrifices we don't want to be involved in it we just want it better it's not the way the world works that's the way the entitlement mentality works and the entitlement mentality is frankly a cancer on human beings that i deserve this I want this. I don't own it, but I should have a say in how it is run, how it is operated, how it is cared for. It should be cared for up to my specifications. Everybody has dealt with somebody like this. Everybody has dealt with this. So let's see. City leaders slated Poppleton, a predominantly black neighborhood, for redevelopment as early as 1975. According to the complaint, almost 20 years ago, the city promised to raise about 500 homes there to clear for a massive complex of apartments and other buildings developed by LeSite, a New York-based firm. In 2014, the city approved up to $58 million in public financing for the project. You either want a vibrant city or you don't want a vibrant city. You can't have both. It's always the people who don't own who are suing. This woman was renting. Go rent somewhere else. It's not that easy, Derek. I get it. But if you want my sympathy, you're not going to get it. I can be rather heartless when I'm being logical. Logical, you know, if you want some sympathy because of the way it was handled, fine. But the end result is the betterment of the person who owns the property. They have the rights here. Don't live somewhere for 20 years and think you own it just because you're there. And don't expect government to come in and take care of you. They got bigger fish to fry. In the last few minutes we have left, there's a couple of things I want to touch on just to... uh, (laughs) The hypocrisy. James Clapper. James Clapper's very upset. Everybody knows James Clapper. He's bald and he's serious. And he's the former director of national intelligence. 
former director of national intelligence there. The Washington Free Beacon has the story. Former director of national intelligence James Clapper said Politico, quote, deliberately distorted, end quote, a letter he and other intelligence officials signed that falsely alleged emails obtained from Hunter Biden's laptop have the, quote, classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Quote, there was message distortion, <coughs> Clapper said in an interview with the Washington Post. All we were doing was raising a yellow flag that this could be Russian disinformation. Politico deliberately distorted what we said. It was clear in paragraph five. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh... What's amazing to me is none of these 51 people that signed this letter have faced any professional consequences whatsoever. Now, they've all moved on to leave. They're not in the intelligence community anymore, but they're all dining out on having worked in the intelligence community, which means that if you contract with them, if you hire them or you put them on your network as a an expert in intelligence, you go, these people fell for like one of the dumbest, most obvious lies. In the no, no. No, they didn't fall for anything. That's what they're trying to... They're, the, those who are out there saying there's two schools of thought. You misunderstood what we were saying. The letter doesn't say that it was Russian disinformation. It just said it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it swims like a duck, it flies like a duck, but it may or may not be a duck. Uh, yeah, no, they don't get that. Either they fell for it or they're lying about it. They're lying about it. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were ingratiating themselves to the Biden administration. They were left-wing activists who hated Donald Trump. Pretty clear. They, they hated Donald Trump. Look at any of them and what they do now and what they did during the campaign and whatever. That's fine. They are American citizens. They are entitled to their opinions. They are entitled to lie about their opinions. That's one of the things you got to take the good with the bad. They are entitled to lie. It's a little bit unseemly that they used their position, their past position in government, to bolster their lies, but they're still allowed to do that. As a former government official, you're still allowed to be a worthless pile of excrement. The problem comes in with the unquestioning nature with which they're obvious claim was reported. The media is supposed to be skeptical. There used to be a thing, you know, don't trust anybody over 30. That was what the left said in the 60s. Then they suddenly became over 30 and all bets were off. Then everything was trust us, trust us, trust us. They used to be afraid of the CIA. The CIA and the FBI, man, they're coming for you. They're bombing Cambodia, man. They're evil. Well, now they're the ones bombing Cambodia. They're the ones in charge. They got the levers. It's amazing how power goes from evil to virtuous based upon who is controlling the levers of it. Isn't it? It's very weird. Government's going to do these horrible things to you. And then the left gets in power and they go, well, no, the government's, don't worry. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it right. Well, is it bad or is it not bad? Government shouldn't have this kind of power. Donald Trump is a totalitarian. Well, then shouldn't you be rolling back government? No, 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 no. We want more power to the federal government. Well, you're actually doing totalitarian things. Um, yeah, but you're doing it from a noble purpose, is what they're saying. 
So let's listen to what James Clapper actually said so we can get uh, full perspective. He's saying it was completely misconstrued at the time. The letter was completely misconstrued, everything about it. Now, granted, the media should have questioned them, should have asked for a little bit more proof than a non-binding, not-under-oath letter signed by a whole bunch of people who obviously despised the President of the United States at the time. But the media obviously despised the President of the United States at the time, so they sure as hell weren't going to ask any questions about it. So here's James Clapper on October 16th, 2020, appearing on his now-current employer, is uh, pays him quite well, CNN talking about this very letter with, I believe, is Aaron Brown. Director, a bunch of questions from this. Let me just start with this. How much does the source matter, right? So here, the story of this laptop, we don't know a lot. We do know that the, the way that this information is getting out is through Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. How much uh, do the, the, does the source matter here? Well, the source matters a lot, and, uh, and the timing matters a lot, I think. And to me, this is uh, just classic... A textbook uh, Soviet-Russian uh, tradecraft at work. Huh. Well, I mean, I could see why anybody would interpret that as just a sort of a vague say. To me, to me, it's classic Soviet tradecraft at work. Okay. Now, I will point out, it was Aaron Burnett, not uh, Aaron Brown. I will point out that the video goes on. James Clapper lying, just lying. What's amazing is Aaron Burnett never once says, why do you say that? What is What proof do you have? How do you know? It was just straight up, this is Russian tradecraft. There was no, well, do you realize what would have to go into having created this? Do you realize that for this to be Russian disinformation, for a KGB operation or whatever the hell they're called now, that the laptop would have had to have been planted two years ago and manufactured because it's tons of detail on there they had to have deep faked him smoking crack and sleeping with hookers the, the, the amount of work going into they would have had to have traced back to before joe biden was even considering running for president of the united states and the fbi has had this laptop for over a year is there any like, how would the f if the the kgb if the russians can do that should we not just surrender to them now if the Russians are that damn good, should we not just surrender to them now? Because they're clearly going to beat us. We can't compete with that. No, there was no such questioning from Erin Burnett. She was on board. She was ready to hear it. She was an amen chorus of one waiting for an opportunity for somebody to ask if they could get one. She was had it chambered and ready to go. That's the real problem, that a bunch of spooks lied because that's what they do, and they did so for political reasons. That's who they are. Didn't matter. Didn't surprise anybody. It's that the people who are the ones who throw their shoulders out going, I speak truth to power all day long, sat there and became stenographers and fanboys for something that was just obviously a fraud. But then when you're a fraud, you like like your own kind. Lastly today, I just want to point out this story from uh, Time magazine. The headline is, Where Wes Moore Comes From. And when they tweeted it out, it says, Maryland's new governor may be the Democrats' most talented newcomer since Barack Obama. The guy's been in office for 20 minutes. 
He has done nothing. He may be the most talented newcomer since Barack Obama. Molly Ball reports on where Westmore comes from and where Democrats see him going. And the first couple of paragraphs here is just a suck-up to Westmore. It's got to be embarrassing for Wes to read this. It talks about how he wears a jacket. Or doesn't wear a jacket, but he wears a tie. The bald head is glistening. He's the Maryland's first black governor. He's around a bunch of patriots. He graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Johns Hopkins and run a rogue scholarship. And nothing about his, he's a CEO and nonprofit. Nothing about how he made, you know, a fortune from that nonprofit without really helping anybody. And I'm fighting poverty. All right but on a very, very localized level, mostly in just my bank account. But he's the most talented that headlines already speculate that he'll be the second black president. The party's leading figures clamor to associate themselves with him. President Biden held a rally with him the night before the election. Molly Ball, do you not recognize that Joe Biden had to be sent somewhere and the only place he was sent was the place he could do no damage? The place where the candidate had like a 35% lead in the polls. Oh, Biden was clamoring to be associated with him. No, Biden was desperate to be involved in something and he was dumb enough to believe that he could make a difference in Maryland. But then again, you're dumb enough to write for Time magazine. So what the hell? It's really, I mean, Westmore doesn't need a colonoscopy. Time magazine was living up there, kissing every inch of it. They'd have told him if they'd have seen a polyp. It's disgusting. Anyway, the Democrats for you. We'll be, uh, we're out of time for today. That's enough for today, I think. I appreciate the hell out of the use of your ears. Please bring them back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. So I might use and abuse them again. Now go outside and have some fun or something. My God, live a little. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.